That was a great video. Thank you, Dan. I think we make a good team, don't you? <laughs> good morning, LifeSpring Church. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. I always enjoy seeing you all on Sunday mornings, and I actually look forward to it throughout the week. Preparing a message lately seems as it, a little bit like picking up puzzle pieces. You mentioned puzzle pieces this morning. I feel like I find puzzle pieces all over the place that culminate into the message I share with you. And it's like a daily scripture reading, uh, a, a, something in the Bible that I see, a bi our Bible study, a devotional that comes my way through the internet or something, a comment from somebody, a podcast I listen to, and so on. I feel it's because I'm expecting. I'm expecting God to speak to me, and he does. I'm so excited about that. The one word that you, know, you all know by now that God has impressed on my heart for 2023 is the word expectation. This is the year for expectation, my friends. And we are starting a message series that I'm calling, What Are You Waiting For? In part one, I said that we have an expectation of eternity because Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then in part two, I said, we have an expectation of direction because Jesus said, I am the way. This week, I want to continue the series by saying that we have an expectation of miracles because Jesus said, miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Matthew 17 verse 20 says, Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Now you know why you have the mustard seed in your hand. Hang on to it. I'm pretty sure all of us gathered here this morning have faith the size of a mustard seed. And I am sure we have already all seen miracles happen and may not even have recognized them as that. My niece posted something on something, Facebook or Instagram or whatever, um, and she said, it, she's, uh, calm, he, she challenged the reader to contemplate that, to reflect on that. She said, you are currently living at least one of the prayers you used to pray. Well, if you can acknowledge that in your life, then you've probably prayed about something for the future and taken the steps toward that hoped-for future. But it is a blessing of God that brings us to the fulfillment of those hoped-for promises. And most likely, somewhere along the line, those, that journey required a miracle. And I believe there have been many miracles in my life, in your life. Yeah, there was a miracle in my life because he didn't crash. I'm glad for that. Thank you, Jesus. Anyways, but there have been many miracles along the way that we maybe haven't even noticed as such and haven't given God credit for. There are many, many miracles in the Bible, as you well know. And when I did the series on Moses, I promise I won't stick Moses' name in where it doesn't belong today. But I told you there were more miracles uh, accounted to his life and the time of the deliverance of the children of Israel than all the recorded miracles that Jesus did while he was on earth. I looked um, 
into the book of First and Second Kings and read about Elijah and Elisha. There were 14 miracles noted in Elijah's ministry. And then after Elisha got a double portion of the anointing, he went on to perform 28 miracles in his lifetime. Jesus did the first public miracle at a wedding feast in Canaan when his mother asked for another glass of wine. That's how I see it. I think she'd probably seen some miracles along the way and knew what he was capable of because he was the son of God. He went on to do many more miracles, but the greatest miracle he ever accomplished was when he died, when he was buried. He conquered death and the grave so that we could have eternal life. Praise the Lord for that. In Mark 9, we read about Jesus and his disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. And then let's read about when they came back down to the gathered crowd. Mark 9 says, When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to meet him. What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so, uh, son, so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. Okay, then it goes on to telling the issues of the son. It goes on to say, So I asked your disciples to cast out the devil and the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, Since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I admire that father, by the way. I do believe, but help, my, help me overcome my unbelief. I bet you could all join me in that statement, agreeing with the Father. I often repeat those words when, I want to, when I'm praying. I want to believe and agree with what the Word says, and I expect miracles. Mark goes on to say this. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. The other translations, or most of the other translations say um, prayer and fasting. This is a good time for me to interject something about prayer and fasting as we're two-thirds of the way through our first of the year fast. And I'm proud of Dan because he hasn't been eating chocolate and cookies and candies and whatnot he loves so much. I have already been blessed during these last couple of weeks as I've been praying and fasting, and surely you have been blessed as well. Don't be weary and give up. Hang in there. There is a reward to those who press into what God has called them to do. Don't condemn yourself if you've had to stop for whatever or if you've had to kind of change course. Don't be, don't be overcome with that. The devil's a liar, and don't believe him, okay? As far as expecting miracles, I believe they are for us today, just as they were in the days of the disciples. 
because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And furthermore, Jesus told his disciples and us that proves this in John 14, verse 12. He said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Later in the book of Mark, just as Jesus was departing to return to his Father in heaven, he says these words in Mark 16. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new tongues. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. And the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Love that. A commentator on this scripture said that when Jesus came down from the mountain to the crowd, he found disputing scribes, a distracted father, a demon-possessed boy, and defeated disciples. What did he do about it? He silenced the scribes, he comforted the father, he healed the boys, and he instructed the disciples. I think those four types of people we will always encounter when there's any kind of a need for a miracle. You will see those who want to dispute and discuss and debate about the miracle. You will have those that are distracted by the issues and the need itself. And you'll have indiv the individual with that overwhelming need that just wants God to help them. And you'll find those trying to stand in faith, believing for the miracle. Give it a minute. We can see ourselves in one of those types of people, right? At some time or another, we are there. At some point in your life, you'll be at a time of need, just like David was in the Word. And therefore, he cried out to God day and night, the Bible says. It tells us that. And there have been times in our lives where we have ached and cried out to God like David did in Psalm 6, verse 3, where he cried, How long, Lord? How long is this going to continue? I've been there. There have been times that we have felt the ache of an uncertainty and wondered how long these trials will go on in our lives. How long would it last? How long would we need to suffer? I'm done with it already. I'm tired of it already. And God will always show up at the right time. Always. He brought deliverance in a miraculous way to the children of Israel. At the time, he appointed. He sent Jesus for us at the right time. He delivered David at the right moment too. And he will do the same for us because his word is truth. And it never changes, my friend. When Jesus came down the mountain and spoke to the crowds, he talked in the divine authority God had given him. He was a man, yet he was divine. Moses was a real man. Elijah and Elisha were mere men too. James 5 verse 17 tells us, Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. 
Friends, where there is a need, there is a potential for a miracle. I know we're all here in, in different, different places in our lives, but we all have need for something. Provision maybe, for deliverance, for safety, for healing, for salvation for a child or a loved one or a friend that just seems impossible because we've tried. I'm expecting a miracle. Not just for me, but I'm expecting a miracle for you too. So, number one, what things require miracles? Well, a need, of course. Physical illnesses come to my mind first, but there are other needs. And then, you know, when it comes to physical illnesses, we rate those greater or lesser or whatever. Some needing miraculous intervention and some not so much. Do you realize that people in third world countries report miracles way more than we do? Why do you suppose that would be? Well, my guess is because here in North America, we tend to rely more on Tylenol and Advil and medicine, and we run to the medical professionals more than we run to the healing power of God. Third world countries don't maybe have the same access to medical help that we do. And so we tend to run there more or quicker. Sometimes we take the first thing that is told to us by a doctor instead of going to prayer and fasting and other options and, and say, Lord, this is, what the, this is what they said, but this is what the word of God says. I believe God uses doctors and medicine sometimes to bring about healing, but I also think we have to come to believe more and more and go to God first and foremost because he's always available to us. Even for people who have faith, it is a challenge to take little and big things to God because we've been conditioned to take care of ourselves and to make our own way. Now, please note, I'm not telling you not to take a pill and not to go to the doctor, ever. I'm not saying that. But pray about everything. Remember, Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all he has done. We can apply that to other needs in our lives as well. Sometimes the Lord protects us from danger. We didn't even realize we were in, like Dan's flight. Sometimes he provides for us when we have a financial need. One time I found $1,000 laying on my front doorstep and nobody else was there. Never did find out who gave that to me. And sometimes we need deliverance from an onslaught of the enemy into our minds that seems to plague us. Can you think of a need in your life where you are needing a miracle? Something you cannot just change by a matter of your will or your own effort. And you need the Lord to intervene. That requires a miracle. In our text, the father brought the boy who had a physical need that had been there for such a long time. They required a miracle. Number two, what exactly is a miracle? Of course, I went to Google because it thinks it knows everything. It may not always be right, but I could live with the answer that it gave me about miracles. It said that a miracle is a surprising and welcoming and welcome event that is not explicit, ex, explicable by nature or scientific laws, and it therefore and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. Or, it also said, 
an extraordinary and astonishing happening that is attributed to the presence and action of a divine power. When you have done all you can, and it doesn't seem to be enough, when you have tried, when you've asked a specialist for help, but to no avail, you need an extraordinary and astonishing event that can only be attributed to God. And sometimes he uses a person to bring about the miracle. When the children of Israel faced the Red Sea with the angry Egyptians behind them, they needed something extraordinary that they could not even imagine could happen. They couldn't have made it happen. God used Moses in obedience to stretch out his hand and the miraculous parting of the Red Sea happened. And then there was a widow whose two sons were being taken away by the creditors because she owed so much money. Elisha instructed her to gather up big empty jars and then with her little remnant of oil, she was to pour into those big jugs and have them filled so that she could sell them, pay off the creditors and live on the rest of the money. That multiplying oil was her miraculous provision because she obeyed what the prophet told her to do. In our text, when the father came to the disciples and Jesus with his ailing son, even the weakest faith, even with the weakest faith that he had, his son was miraculously healed. He was healed because the father brought him to Jesus and believed. Can you recognize something in your life that requires more than is humanly possible? Something you have maybe tried to fix? Then that is where your miracle is required. Number three, do miracles still happen today? Can you answer that question for you, yourself, in your heart and your mind this morning? Yes. When my husband, first husband George, died of cancer over five years ago, I had to consider that question more seriously than I ever had. And I still come up with the same answer I had before he got sick and the same answer I have now. Yes, miracles still happen today. I know some people feel like it's a cop-out or an excuse we make when a loved one dies, such as George did, and we say God healed him by taking him home. But it's not a cop-out. I don't believe that for a second. Because for each person who ever lived, there is a, an appointed time for them to die. And we don't have to like it. I didn't like it at that time. Dan didn't like it when Bev died. But to each one of us, there is an appointed time. Even Lazarus, who truly experienced a miracle and came back to life again, he eventually died again. No one lives here on earth forever, nor do we want to. Ecclesiastes 3 says that there is a time to be born and a time to die. We'll all face death someday. But in the meantime, let me just say, I want to live, and I'm expecting a miracle. Do you? I want to stir up your faith this morning. I don't know if you've noticed that. And I want us to be like the father who said, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Someone told me once that when you're sharing your own personal testimony, or you, well, first of all, if you're sharing somebody else's story, it can build people's faith. But faith, but when you are telling your own story, it's indisputable. 
And that is powerful, telling your own story. So first I want to tell you about Patty, who was in a coma for 16 years. But on Christmas Day 2000, she woke up just like that and resumed her normal activities. She dressed herself. She walked without support. She talked in complete sentences all of a sudden. Unlike most coma patients who come out of it, it's more gradual. But this lady became fully conscious and showed no signs of any mental or physical disabilities. The neurologist of the university, he, he was watching this and he said the awakening was extraordinary. But of course, he tried to explain it. He speculated all kinds of different situations that could possibly have happened. Also, none of which he could scientifically uh, prove. Her family looked upon that as the dramatic recovery as a spontaneous healing and a Christmas miracle. But I can tell you something maybe not as extraordinary as that, but it was important to me. When I went one day to the doctor and he did all the tests to find out why I had pain in my body, and he said they're cysts and they had to be removed. And after a unique prayer that I shared at Bible study, uh, I went on to have my healing confirmed. The doctor that I had it confirmed with said, oh, Maybe it was just a misdiagnosis because there are no cysts. Yet I know the pain was there one day and it was gone the next. I know that cysts were there one day in the, in the pictures, in the ultrasounds or whatever tests they did, and then they weren't there. And he said, oh, they were misdiagnosed by three separate doctors? I think not. I do give God glory for that. I can tell you about a boy named Nathan, not my son, but who was in a near-fatal car accident while trying to avoid a deer on the road. When he arrived at the hospital, he had a broken leg. He had spinal cord damage. He had numerous lacerations and a collapsed lung. To stabilize him, the doctors put him in an induced coma. And Nathan was in the, in the coma for four days. But when the drugs were discontinued, he was supposed to wake up, but he didn't come out of the coma. So that night, the father sat there by his bedside and prayed and read the Bible to him. He repeatedly said the words that Jesus said to Lazarus, come forth, come forth. His dad repeatedly told him that he had to fight, that he had to live, and told him that he would wake up. The next morning, Nathan came out of the coma. The family was overjoyed, but the doctor said, you know what? You're still in great danger of paralysis, full or part paralysis. For two weeks after that, Nathan prayed earnestly for complete healing. One night while he was falling asleep, all of a sudden he heard all kinds of cracking and popping in his neck just as he laid in bed. The next morning, the physicians performed three more sets of x-rays and different tests to see what was going on with the vertebrae because they felt like it's continuing to separate. But instead, the tests showed that the vertebrae had actually fused back together properly. The doctors were stunned. There was no medical explanation for the healing. And three months after that car accident that almost took his life, Nathan returned to his normal participation in athletics, including football and wrestling and track and field. Wow. I can also tell you about my experience in my personal body. After two miscarriages, I finally got pregnant again. I had my first son, Matthew, and that pregnancy was considered high risk. So they did all kinds of tests. And then they one day told me, 
you're going to have a Down syndrome baby or some baby, a baby with some kinds of physical needs. They offered me an abortion, but I refused because I really believe that is against the word of God. And then every negative report that came during his pregnancy and even after he was born, we rebuked it in Jesus' name and we trusted in the promises of God for his life. You know, Matthew, he is now totally healthy and is a happy husband and father, soon to be of two. He bears the mark on his body of some sort of miracle because he's got that special kind of earlobe that sometimes is evident in special needs kids. Those healings in my life didn't come because I sought out some famous uh, healing evangelist. Although I've got to say there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. God uses people. I don't remember the guy who prayed for me, but I prayed in faith and he prayed in faith and God heard us. Praise the Lord for that. I read a story this past week as I was researching this about a general in the Gulf War who shared that as he and the other Christians on that base there prayed, the winds in that desert, who, which always blew in one direction, they prayed about that because they were going into a battle with the enemy that had threatened to release biological weapons into the air. And the chemicals would have blown right into their faces and killed them or poisoned them. And during that battle, the wind suddenly changed direction and only stayed in that other direction for the duration of the battle. And then they prayed again because they were in a place that had no water. And here they had 80,000 men and women soldiers, and there was no water. And that number of people need about 100,000 gallons of water per day in the desert to survive. After they prayed, a random person driving out on a scouting mission or something came back and said, hey, I found a well. Let's go check it out. And their engineers went out there to check it out. And sure enough, there was a pump, an old pump there and everything for them. And it provided exactly 100,000 gallons of water per day and then stopped when their time there was over. Wow. Friends, don't be too hard on yourself either. When you ask merely if, if miracles are possible. While John the Baptist sat in prison, he wanted to confirm Jesus' identity. Jesus only said to him, his response to John, through his disciples to relay the message in Luke verse seven, chapter 7, verse 22, was go back to John and tell him what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. When we go out to do the work of God, Jesus will work with us. The disciples did what Jesus told them to do in obedience, and then Jesus did what he can do, the accompanying signs and wonders, the miracles. This is an excellent pattern for us today. The preaching comes first, and then the signs will follow. Signs are meant to follow believers instead of believers running after the signs. Followers of, a, of Jesus are still preaching everywhere in the world. The Lord is still working with them and through them. He is still confirming his word through the accompanying signs. So basically I'm saying, 
Yes, miracles still happen today. And if that's what you're waiting for, I encourage you, expect miracles. Expect miracles. This father seemed unsure if Jesus could do anything. But the if was more about himself than it was about Jesus. So Jesus told him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. We, when we trust God as true and all his promises are true, all things are possible to us who believe. The poor father in this story was challenged by Jesus' ex exhortation for faith. He did believe Jesus' power to deliver his boy. After all, why else would he have brought the boy to Jesus? But he recognized his doubts. So he tearfully pled with Jesus, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. This man's unbelief was not rebellion against God or the rejection of God's promises. It, he did not deny God's promise. He desired more of it, and it seemed too good to be true. But if you believe, all things are possible. And if you have faith the size of that mustard seed in your hand, what are you waiting for? Expect a miracle today. What are you waiting for? Expect a miracle today. Let's pray. Lord, I'm expecting a miracle today. In my life, in the lives of my friends, and as we go into a time of worship, I'm going to do what your word says in obedience, Lord. I'm going to anoint anybody who wants to be anointed with oil. I'm going to anoint myself with oil. And I'm going to pray the prayer of faith, even the prayer of faith that has the size of a mustard seed. And I'm going to believe you that because of our obedience and because of our faith, you are the one that does the miracles. Thank you that I don't have to provide some sort of a miracle for anybody here. But I can join my faith with them. And you are the one that does the miracles in your time, in your way, in a way that's so unexpected sometimes. But I thank you that you are greater than anything we could imagine. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for what your word says. And I believe your word. And I believe that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe that every salvation is a miracle. I believe that every healing of physical needs is a miracle. I believe that every miraculous provision of funds is a miracle. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you do miracles far above and beyond anything we can hope or ask for even. Stir our faith today. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to come to pray with me, come. The one who made the blind to see is moving here in front of me. Moving here in front of me. The one who made the deaf to hear. He's silencing my every fear, silencing my every fear. I believe in you. I believe in you.